Welcome to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast where you will discover creative ways to improve your health and well-being. Someone may have told you that art isn't for you, but they were wrong. Anyone can create arts for the health of it. No talent or experience necessary. I'm just a little songbird. Try to fly my way homeward with the melody and I make the beat. Don't know where it'll take me, take me. Cause when I'm in the dark of night, I sing my way back to the light. Come along with me and your heart will see that a song changes everything. Student Clearinghouse Research Center published some findings from 2020 that college enrollment for low-income high school grads plunged by 29% during the pandemic. And this demographic is already at risk for high school, for dropping out of high school. Um, They're five times more likely actually to drop out of high school than high income students and less likely to enroll in college. But what if... What if dance was the answer? I'm Constance Rader. I'm your co-host. I'm Richard Wilmore. I'm your other host. (laughs) And uh, we have a really, really great episode and interview today with Jennifer Bonfield from The Wooden Floor. She's the uh, dance education and curriculum specialist over there. And they are an almost 40-year-old organization um, that really starts working with kids and works with them for, like at an early age up through graduation. And because of their program, they have a hundred percent high school graduation rate, which is and, and college enrollment. So not just getting these kids through high school, but also helping them enroll in college. So they have we. I could just geek out about this episode. It was so cool. The Wooden Floor is based in Santa Ana, California, and they audition students um i think was it between third grade to fifth grade she'll 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 talk about it um and then they provide wraparound programs and use dance to teach life skills Mm. and to help and then they help connect them with resources that they need in academics um what whatever they might need support wise to help them graduate through go all the way through um, high school and help them graduate college, graduate from high school and enroll in college. And they have, I think she said they serve over 400 students a year. Yeah. Which is insane to me. <laughs> it's a um, lot. It's a lot of kiddos. It's a lot of kids. And so we talk a lot, a little bit about um, the team behind all of that. Um, what it takes to actually make all of this happen from a staff standpoint, Mm -hmm. which I was fascinated with because you always, you know, I feel like you're always understaffed (laughs) and uh, what it takes to put on such a big program like they do. It was, it was really cool to talk to her and we end it with a little, a little dance. (laughs) So for your viewing pleasure over on our YouTube channel, (laughs) you can watch all of us do an improv dance. And even if you're just listening, you can wait for the end of the episode and Jennifer shares a kind of a dance or a movement prompt. You don't have to have any skill, you know, that's okay. As um, evidenced by my dance. <laughs> 
but it just was so fun. And you can do it whether you're sitting in your car, listening or at your desk or get up with your family and just do the, a little dance and movement. Right. Like how many other places could you insert that fun little dance at the Thanksgiving table? Like <laughs> just as, you know, like in the such a everywhere everywhere richard yes i'm gonna be doing this. from now on that's what i'm <laughs> gonna do every time i find a new person so we can't wait to share this interview with you but first we wanted to share um a gratitude gram from our gratitude grams program this is a program that supports healthcare workers um so if you're a healthcare worker and you would like to enroll in this program you can go to heartseenart.org slash gratitude grams we match you with one of our artists and you'll get um personalized emails and a, like a three to five minute video from them each week and we combine messages of thanks from people in the community with um um, with music or a little art activity or a poem or a writing prompt. And that just shows up in your inbox and you can do it or not. You can watch it multiple times or not, but it's just there as, as a, just an honest expression of thanks for the sacrifices that you make every day. And if you want to support healthcare workers, you can go on that same website, heartseenart.org slash gratitude grams and write a note to a healthcare worker that we'll include in, in our videos. So the gratitude gram, we're going to share a little section of one today is from Tracy Cowden. And she uh, plays, she's a pianist. She's the chair of the music department at the University of Texas, San Antonio. She's an incredible musician. And she um, will share a little bit of her, you know, what, why she's grateful for healthcare workers. And there, then share a little bit of um, Nocturne Opus 54, number four by Edvard Grieg. Which is my favorite one. <laughs> of course, number four is yes. the best. Yes. <laughs> so let, I'll, we'll let you enjoy a little snippet. Hello, my name is Tracy Cowden, and I'm honored to be a part of the Hearts Need Art Gratitude Grams program. My heart goes out to you as a healthcare worker right now during these extremely difficult circumstances. I'm hoping that this music will brighten your day just a little bit. You can return to it anytime you'd like through the link provided in the email. The piece that I've chosen to play for you today is called Nocturne by Edvard Grieg. I hope you enjoy. Thank you. 
Thank you for all that you do to help keep us safe. Till next time. So one of the, I love Tracy. And like I said, my favorite song in the entire world is that. Um, <laughs> it just makes me happy. It's why it's my alarm in the morning. Um, so we kind of started this program, not really, we had emails and we had people who were like, yeah, I'll sign up for it. But we didn't really know. We, we, Hoped it would have you. an impact, and but we didn't know. And we've been getting some great feedback from some of the medical staff. And I wanted to read you something from Lindsay Richards. Um, she's at Memorial Sloan Kettering Cancer Center. Say that times, say that five times quick. Uh, she wrote back to us and said, "Thank you so much for including me in such a wonderful program. This truly made my day. I feel that oftentimes the work we do takes precedence over the fact that we are also people trying to survive this pandemic. You taking the time to send this and create such an amazing program is most appreciated. I look forward to receiving more in, of these in the future. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think it's I think it's a great way to take a moment." for yourself and um not have to really do anything if you don't want but still enjoy the arts mm -hmm. so it's a great program that a lot of people have now signed up for we have what 100 over 100 almost 150 people signed up mm -hmm. just by you know word of mouth so get on there and sign up for it if you are a medical professional if you know one if you just play one on tv whatever it is if you want these <laughs> go to heartsmeetart.org Thank you. Uh, <laughs> we have a great interview for, for you today. Jennifer had such great things to share. Yes. I want to read you who she, or I want to read you kind of her bio, who she is, and then you'll see why we wanted to talk to her. She is a Southern California-based modern dancer and dance educator. She earned her MA in dance education through the University of Northern Colorado, and she has a BFA in dance performance from Chapman University. Um, she's driven by her passion for dance education and serves as the dance education and curriculum specialist at the Wooden Floor, where she has been on faculty since 2006, just changing really the lives of these children that she's interacting with. So take a listen, take a look. And we'll see you later. Enjoy. <laughs> I don't think, well, the first time I've ever danced outside of like a wedding reception after some drinks <laughs> is on television, live TV. <laughs> I got thrown into it for a dance segment and I was sitting there and they were like, Richard, get over there and start dancing. And I was like, what? And uh, it was amazing. And that's the first time I ever danced without help, liquid help. Wow. Nothing like being thrown into the deep end of the water, as yeah. they say. <laughs> I will take your uh, prompts at the end Excellent. Uh, to dance without any help. There Excellent. you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, how do you pronounce your last name? Uh, Bonfil. Bonfil. Okay. It's actually Spanish. Everyone thinks it's French, but it's Spanish. Oh, mm. Jennifer Bonfil. Okay. Yes. Well, that's who we're here with is Jennifer Bonville. She's the dance education and curriculum specialist at the wooden floor. And she is wearing a shirt that says dance is the answer. I love that. Right. That's yeah. very Full simple. Stop. Huge. Full period. stop. Full Huge stop. Period. <laughs> In gold. Is that a gold period? Yes. This is our, our wooden floor yellow. Oh, yes. And what you probably can't see is that the dance is actually a lot of words from the students that are describing oh. how dance empowers them. Um, so they oh. feel free, they feel happy, they feel creative. 
they're learning, they're wise, they're able. So all of these words make up the. <gasps> oh, I love that so much. I am so stealing that idea. I know. I was just thinking. <laughs> Hold on, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> they can be purchased at thewoodenfloor.org. Oh, I love that so much. <laughs> That's so cool. Thank um, you. And why is dance the answer? It'll be a three-minute podcast. <laughs> there it is. We'll okay, answer right that question point. and then we'll go home. Oh, my goodness. That'll take me like three hours to answer. Right. And then a three-hour <laughs> podcast. Hold on, so ladies much. and gentlemen. <laughs> um, wow. Where do I begin? Um, there are so many benefits to dance in dance education that I don't think um, everyone understands or knows about. And so that's part of why it's my passion is to educate everyone that everyone can benefit from dance education, even if it's not something you think you want to pursue as a career, or even if you think you're not good at it, um, everyone, no matter your age, your height, right, your ethnicity, your gender, no matter what, everyone, everyone can be a dancer and benefit from its many, um, many, many things that it can teach us. That's so cool. I I totally believe in that. I started dancing after college. I was in ballet class with little, with little, uh, you know, seven-year-olds. I didn't (laughs) care. I was having a great time. (laughs) And you teach at the wooden floor. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is, where it is, what you guys do? Yeah, absolutely. So the wooden floor is a creative youth development organization in Santa Ana, California. We were started in 1983 by Beth Burns. And at the time we were just a summer program that was so successful that we've now grown into a year round program serving about 475 students Mm. um, through through dance, through academic and family services. And um, our, our mission really is to to break the cycle of poverty or to empower children mostly living in low income communities to to thrive and to find success through dance and access to higher education. So tell me a little bit about more how you do that, because I know you combine the dance education or you use the dance education to teach life skills. And can you can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So um, so we do have wraparound programs. Dance is at the center of what we do. And the wraparound programs include family services, college and career career readiness services, academic tutoring and, and support like that. But also those skills are being taught in the studio through our approach to dance. So we teach a somatic based curriculum. Um, Soma meaning meaning the body, right? So um, in somatics, if you're dancing through the lens of a somatic based curriculum, it's not necessarily about what it looks like. It's about what it feels like. Mm -hmm. And often moving from that kind of organic and natural place in, enhances the performance and what it looks like, even though that's not the motivation behind the movement. And so within that, there are things like, oh my goodness, so much. Um, for example, when you're taught a dance phrase, you you learn how to prepare, you learn what needs to initiate the movement, you learn um, how to follow through, you learn how to kind of analyze and reflect on what you just experienced. And those are skills you can take to school when you're confronted with um, like a problem in math class, like how do you prepare to solve this? What's going to initiate the process of figuring out the answer? Um, What's the follow through, right? All of those skills you learn in dance can be applied to things that you encounter in your everyday life. 
And you've had over 95,000 students come through your door. So, so yeah, so we, we are very fortunate that we've been around for so long, um, 30 plus years, almost 40 years of, um, of, of transforming lives through the power of dance. And so we have um, just a number of, of students who want to come be a part of what we do. Um, and because we do have so many comprehensive um, programs and things that we offer the students, we do have to limit our enrollment, unfortunately, because we really do want to benefit the student and their families as best with as high quality programming as possible. So we have a program called Dance Free Weeks, which allows us to go into the schools and serve even more students. So that's where we get the several thousand per year that we get to see um, in a one week program where our um, instructors go into the schools and introduce modern dance and creative dance and improvisation. And, um, and what we do at the wooden floor, we introduce that to third and fourth graders in public schools for a week long program. So they kind of get a, a taste of, of how wonderful dance is. So I think that's so smart. So you tend to go like deep, like really get in there with some with your students and their families to help drive impact and, and create change within a smaller group of students instead of broader. Can you talk about some of the impact that that has? Um, any stories that you can share about um, or, or statistics about the impact that that's had? Yeah, well, um, we love to boast about our college graduation rate. Since 2005, 100% of our seniors have graduated high school on time and have immediately enrolled in higher education. Wow. So that's oh, that's our end goal is to, I mean, from day one, in fact, on the day of the audition, these little eight-year-olds come and audition for us. And we we talk about, you know, in 10 years from now, when you go to college and they're like, what? I mean, that's over half their life, right? But we, <laughs> we set that seed from the, well, we plant that seed from the very beginning that, that we want to help you achieve your goals. It doesn't matter if you don't want to be a dancer. The skills you learn in dance are going to help you achieve whatever you want to achieve. Um, we have our 17th year in a row, um, our, our 20, class of 2021, they're set to graduate on time. And the mm. college acceptances are coming in as we speak. They're trying to figure out where where they're going to go next year. That's awesome. Another another story that comes to mind when um, when I'm asked that question is a student who, um, in his senior speech at the wooden floor, he talked about how kids from his neighborhood were joining gangs, and how um, without the wooden floor, he he really doesn't know what he would have done. Um, he talked about how some of the kids from his neighborhood, uh, one was in jail, one had actually been killed. Um, and this is, you know, an extreme story, but because of the wooden floor, he, he overcame the challenges of the neighborhood he was growing up with and found his, his core group of supporters and friends. Um, and now he's a Long Beach police officer. But then, you know, there are the daily, the daily triumphs of um, the student who's too shy to say their name in front of the class. And by the end of their first week of dancing at the wooden floor, they, they have this power and confidence in them where they... They can not only speak their name, but they can perform a short dance that they created in front of their peers. Mm. And it's really those day-to-day -day triumphs that, that really inspire and, and keep me going. Wow. The Wooden Floor has been around for, like you said, almost 40 years. Do you know the history behind making that connection of, of dance and literally the rest of life? <laughs> like where that comes from? Like who, who, was, who was doing that research? <laughs> interesting so 
it's inherently in dance, right? We talk about um, the five C's. I don't know if you're familiar with that, like communication, collaboration, right? It's it's kind of turning into um, like a buzzword in education right now because people are realizing that that the way technology is evolving and changing so rapidly that students really need those five C's. At the wooden floor, we add a sixth one, which is courage. Mm. And so those those concepts are inherently in dance. No matter what dance class you go take, there's going to be little tidbits of of that present. But at the wooden floor, we choose to also intentionally teach to those. Um, and, you know, as far as like how it started. Uh, um, so the woman who founded us, her name is Beth Burns. She was actually a nun with the Sisters of St. Joseph at the time that she started the organization in the basement of a church. Hmm. Um and she, she just, she loved dance. She had this passion for it. She understood how impactful it could be on a youth's life. Um, and so I think because dance is so inherently um, beneficial, I almost want to say it was this, just this natural evolution that, that you know, we, um, we saw the potential that dance has to help these students overcome so many challenges. That um, that why not use it to to their advantage? Yeah, just kind of a natural fit. Yeah. So, so we talked a little bit about the origins of the company. I'd love to hear a little bit more about about your origins and your background and how you came into this work and why why this work versus other things that you could do in dance world. So I started as a professional dancer. I went to Chapman University where I earned my BFA in dance performance. And the goal was to to dance in a modern dance company. And, you know, at first I I felt a little selfish about that in a way that this is going to be a fulfilling career for me. But but is it really the the impactful career I want to have? Um, I danced with that company, um, Backhouse Dance. It's an Orange County based modern dance company. I danced with them for 13 years. And throughout that time, we did a ton of education work where we would go into elementary schools and teach teach dance. Sometimes it was our repertory, you know, pared down for their level. Um, Sometimes it was dance classes. Sometimes it was integrated. Um, So like reading comprehension and dance and how dance can help with reading comprehension, Um, sciences, math, right? Kind of like combining those, those academic areas with, with the dance. Um, And that's where I realized like, like, wow, like this is, this is what I, I want to do. Um, one of our very first experiences was in an elementary school where we did this simple thing where it was like walk two, three, four, put your arms up and breathe and then drop your arms back down. <laughs> and to see, I mean, how simple is that, right? But to see the light in their eyes and like the pure joy come over their entire bodies <laughs> from this simple movement, that right there is what sold me that like I I need to share this passion with the world, with as many people as I can, because look how much joy this one little kid is receiving from this like very simplest form of movement. Um, And then, you know, I was just, I was so fortunate to just kind of stumble upon in a way um, the wooden floor. I was asked to um, kind of sub at the last minute for a a faculty member who was leaving for the summer. And so I joke with the students that 15 years later, I'm still subbing for this (laughs) this teacher. Your sub job (laughs) has really uh, expanded there. Yes. Yeah. It happens in a nonprofit. It happens. <laughs> yes. um, I'm curious what the wooden floor does to promote themselves to reach the people 
that you serve. Um, I don't, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't seem like people who are on the verge of joining gangs and in the, in the, in the world that you serve that they're looking for dance classes. Yeah. So, um, and I should say again that that's like the extreme situation mm -hmm. that not, not all of our <laughs> students come from, come from that environment. Um, a lot of it honestly is word of mouth because we have been around for so long. The community knows us. They know that we will help you get to college. And so mm. that's a big driving force is, um, is word of mouth or families um, who know families. Uh, that Dance Free Weeks program that I mentioned where we go into schools, we actually um, pair that with the audition. So our audition in the before times, right, pre-COVID was always the third week of October. And so for the first three weeks of October, that's when our team of teachers were out in, into the schools teaching these Dance Free Week workshops as an advertisement really for our audition. And then that third Saturday, students who had participated and learned how much they love dance and how much they can benefit from the dance education, go home and tell their parents, like there's this amazing place called the Wooden Floor in Santa Ana and you have to take me to their audition. <laughs> so those are our two kind of main, main ways. Um, one of our goals actually, we just finished a 10 year strategic vision, a strategic plan that um, is just culminating actually this year. Um, and part of that was to enhance our, our reach. And because we're so limited with our facilities and our staff and our, you know, our budget of we have to stick to that kind of 475 students at, at our location, we actually have two locations that, that serve those 475 students. Um, one way to reach more students was to try to um, license our brand. And mm -hmm. so we have our first licensed partner, City Dance in Washington, D.C., um, and they are partners in that we say here, this is what works for us. Here's, here's our programming, even our forms, like take, take our forms and put your logo on it. Like we, we've learned that this works. So here you now do it in your, in your program. That's so smart. What a cool, I mean, what a great idea and a great program model and what a great way to, to spread the idea. I love that. And if we could go back for just a second, I'm curious about what, an audition looks like for for these young children that maybe haven't taken a dance class before. I'm I'm curious what it looks like, and then what you guys are looking for, um, and how you select how you select students. Yeah, so um, we actually prefer students who don't have any training. Not that we discriminate at all, but because we introduce our level ones to what we call introduction to dance, where it's not a typical ballet class. Um, they are learning some ballet technique, they are learning some modern technique, but they're also learning creativity and how to create their own movements, improvisation, right, where they're making up movements on the spot and they have the skill and the confidence to do that in front of peers. Um, so in the audition, it's challenging, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> we, um, we have eight, nine and 10 year olds who are in third, fourth or fifth grade that audition. You have to be in that age group to audition for us. And we can talk about why in a moment. Um, but what we're looking for really is the joy of movement. When they start moving their bodies, do you see that spark, right? That little kid I mentioned who was doing the simple walk and arm movement. Like, do you see that, that spark that ignites because they're moving their bodies? Um, we also, because we have to have some parameters to, to decide, we also do look for um, physical potential, coordination, um, 
so it's it's some improvisation, which actually one of the things I would love to share with your listeners um, is something that we do at this audition. Um, so some of it is is we want them to to show us their own movements, right? Express themselves however they would like. And then there are other things like skipping, right? That cross lateral action is very is very telling. Um, that kind of helps us determine are they going to be successful in our program? But then again, there's the like, okay, who needs us the most? It's mm. um, it's so hard. It's so hard to choose. <laughs> you <laughs> don't many... want to say no to anybody. I, right. I <laughs> how many applicants do you generally get? And then how many can you actually take each year? We get a lot and we can only <laughs> take a little. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, Has it always been? Yeah, yes, yes. Are they encouraged to then try out audition the next year? And then Absolutely. Hopefully, yeah. Absolutely. In fact, this year we had um, two siblings of people who are already in our program. They auditioned for the third time. Wow. Mm. Yeah. So, um, and they made it finally. They, they made it. Um, but definitely, definitely. We definitely communicate that, out, especially to the eight-year-olds who have two more chances to, to audition. Um, and so, honestly, that's another thing we do look at is, you know, can they come back next year? Okay, let, let's wait because we got to take this 10-year-old who can't come back next year. Yeah. You mentioned <laughs> the age group that you focus on to enroll initially, and you, there's a specific reason why you do that. Yeah. So um, I actually learned in my my thesis research for grad school that if you can read at grade level by third grade, by leaving third grade, you have a higher percentage or you're more likely to graduate high school on time. And so not that all of our students need that academic support, but we want the longest runway possible if they do, because mm. our ultimate goal is to graduate them from high school and enroll in, in higher education. So we used to take students up to age 15, I believe, or 13, um, quite late. And um, it, it was it was more difficult to kind of integrate them into the community of the wooden floor and really have that long term impact. And so because we do have so many applicants, that was one way we kind of shrank the pool and said, well, if we get them younger, we'll have more impact. I'm assuming you don't have 475 people on Zoom during a class right now in COVID. So can we talk a little bit about how you've <laughs> shifted into, I'm assuming, a virtual world lately? Yes, yes. So um, California's been hit hard, like like many places, Santa Ana um, especially. And so we shifted, gosh, almost a year ago, like everyone else, we shifted online. Um, and one wonderful thing, like we've talked about how dance can help you in, in life, we teach adaptability, right? We teach students how to be open-minded, how to adjust. Um, one of our, um, our principles that we teach and therefore kind of evaluate is this ready and adaptable mindset. So this idea mm. of, are you prepared for class? And in the dance world, it means your uniform, your hair, right? Are you on time? Are you ready to learn? Um, and then are you ready to shift and adjust when, when new things are, are thrown at you? And then we take that skill into the new world and COVID happens. And now we're ready to adjust and adapt because we've been practicing that in the studio. So I'm so proud of our students. They really, um, they really have adjusted and they're so resilient. They've, um, they've navigated the, the online world well, better than I expected. Um, so we have within those 475 students, we actually have technically 22 levels. So 22 cohorts, oh. they're divided oh. by, by skill. 
And so, yeah, it's this massive puzzle piece of wow. figuring out <laughs> which, which level they're in. And they come between two to four times a week. Wow. Um, I guess that's in the before times. Um, now through COVID, because online learning is a challenge and screen time is not something we want them to have to endure all day long, we have reduced our classes. So the older students, instead of coming four times a week, they're actually coming three times a week. And they're participating in ballet, modern choreography, and improvisation mm. throughout their throughout their week. And yeah, we're we're doing it through Zoom. We're we're making it work. They're making it work. Like I said, they're um they're being courageous and turning their cameras on, most of them. Um, <laughs> and and participating just as if we were in the studio together. Mm-hmm. That's Do you awesome. have instructors for each of those specific areas? I'm I'm curious about like staff because <laughs> that sounds intense. Yeah, so we have um we have a small, we always say small but mighty team. We currently have seven faculty, myself and our artistic director teach, as well as five additional part-time seasonal employees. And we're also so fortunate at the wooden floor that we have live accompaniment. Wow. Yeah. And that's actually one way we've been able to kind of help the students feel like it's still the wooden floor. They're still taking Mm. class at the wooden floor, even though they're in their home and not in our gorgeous studios. Um, We have that live musician who also zooms in and plays, plays music for us. Um, But to answer your question about genres, it really depends on the, the, the teacher's background. So um, I myself was a bunhead until college. And then, as my dad likes to say, I chopped off my bun and became a modern dancer. But so my, my passion really is kind of split. So um, some of us do teach all genres. Some specialize in just ballet. Some specialize in just modern. So that kind of contributes to the puzzle piece of, of how to how to fit in, which classes need to happen throughout the week, which teachers should teach which classes throughout the week. Um, yeah, we just, we make it work that way. And then you, your learning culminates in th- their performances, I assume, as well, right? Have you been doing those virtually as well? Or are they starting to be in person this year? We, like everyone in the art world, I'm sure, canceled a, a number of performance opportunities for our students last year. Um we didn't convert them virtually. Um, one of our guiding principles as an organization is excellence. And because we were kind of thrown into this mid planning, we had already started planning our concert. We were actually in rehearsals. In fact, in March, mm. when we were sent home, our um, our choreographers who were visiting from out of state to work with the students, they actually changed their flights. They had to go home early. So mm. we were well on our way to planning this in-person concert. And because we just didn't feel like we could maintain the quality of excellence we wanted to in the virtual world, we decided at that time to not have it. Um, We did for our graduating seniors come up with some virtual celebrations for them and um, kind of piece together some video footage from rehearsals so that they had somewhat of a culminating end of year. Because if you think about it, we get them when they're eight years old. So these seniors were finishing their 10 year journey with us. Uh. And so they, in a way, we were, we, were, we were saying, you know, you have something that the other students won't have that like right now, sure, the disappointment, I'm, it's huge. But in five years from now, when we look back on this time where literally the whole world was going through something, they'll have these these special memories forever. Um, this year, however, I'm super excited. We are planning an in-person performance. We're doing something um, 
outside of the, the regular theater. So generally we would uh, put our concert dance on our proscenium stage, right? It's like the picture frame, the proscenium arch where the audience is on one side and the performers are up on the stage, um, partly due to COVID, but actually this was in the planning before COVID and it just works out that it's going to be COVID friendly is a site specific work at our main street location site specific being movement that's created specifically for the place it's performed. Hmm. And most of the time that means you're creating movement that you couldn't normally do if you were on a proceeding stage, for example. Hmm. So like the bollards in front of our building, right? Those big cement blocks, right? Can you balance on them? Can you lean against them? Can you make cantilever movements, right? Shapes that you you wouldn't be able to do on stage. So movement created specifically for that location. So we actually were starting rehearsals in a few weeks for that, mostly outside, um, some inside, all masked, all socially distanced. And then our hope is that come July, I think it's the second and third weeks of July, um, groups of 10 audience members will be kind of walked around through those different locations around the campus by a guide um, watching the site-specific work and kind of... Um, oh, that's <laughs> such a cool wow. idea. Yeah, so cool. kind of like a gallery in a way where you're right, yeah. you're walking around and seeing the different art installations. So, so so if there's people that are in the Santa Ana area that want to see this, is this open to the public or is it just for family and friends? It is. It's open to the public. Tickets will be on sale through our website, thewoodenfloor.org. So they will be able to get tickets that way. Awesome. So definitely yeah. check them out. And that's in July, correct? Correct. We'll awesome. make sure this episode goes out before then. Thank you. To promote it. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. All this talk about dancing is like making me want to dance. Can you do, can we do our little improv? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So um, one that I already mentioned is one we do actually at the audition day and um, our level 10 still talk about it, right? So they're finishing uh-huh. their 10 year journey and they still remember and like to do this. Um, and we just call it the name dance. So the prompt is use any body parts you would like to spell your name in space. So maybe like your elbow does your first letter and then your nose does your second letter and then your shoulder makes the third letter and so on. So you're, you're, you're spelling out your name, you're dancing out your name. Oh my we gosh, encourage different <laughs> levels, different sizes, different speeds, right? You have all these choices. Again, bringing in that problem-solving skill that we would take then into our, our everyday life. I feel like decision-making. This, this activity disadvantages those of us with long names. <laughs> <laughs> Richard, do you want to do it? Um, I think I, I'm kind of slammed up against a wall. Well, but... me too. We're going to do this. We're going right. to do this. Okay. You can do it from your seat. Wait, I'm not. All right. Going. Okay. You want to go all first? Gonna do go it? first. Are we all doing it? Wait, do you have people do it at the same time or like as it separately? In the audition, we do ask, ask them to do it separately. They say their name so we get to hear their voice and they, they perform it by themselves. <laughs> they have had a practice before that, though, I will Oof. say. Well, <laughs> people get to see our practice. Richard, do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first? Uh, you go first. And <laughs> you so you can steal my. Well, I can steal your moves. <laughs> For those of you listening, go to our YouTube channel and you can watch us make wonderful, joyful fools of ourselves. <laughs> and who wouldn't want to do that? Well, and so, let me just say before you go that there's no wrong answer, right? That's oh. the beauty of creative mm. dance and improv like this. 
but don't judge yourself, right? Kick off that that person who says, that's a bad idea, that's stupid, right? Don't don't listen to that. Don't edit yourself because right now it's kind of like a brainstorm, right? Cool. So there's no wrong answer. There are no bad answers when you're brainstorming. And because we're a community, we're going to support each other. Oh, well, thank you guys. I feel so supported. I'm ready to go. Now I feel better. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. So my name's Constanza. So let's see if I can spell my name. Okay. C O N S T A another N Z Why? <laughs> no, that's Stonzi. It's an A at the end on Constanza. My nickname is Stonzi, which has a Y at the end, so I got See, carried away. You could have picked that in a shorter word. My oh you what? You could have picked Stonzi, it would have been shorter. It would have been shorter. I should have just spelled Stonzi. Oh well, you got ex- you got bonus footage then. That's true. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Richard. Uh, uh maybe I'll go by Rich today. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, I want to do an R, an I C. Wait, it's not in here. Um uh H. That's it, Rich. (laughs) There is something really joyful about that. That's really fun. Yes. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) And when we were. Oh, oh, sorry. Go. Well, I was going to say, if we were in the studio, then we would be able to celebrate all the differences that just happened. Right. So another benefit to this dance education is teaching open mindedness, teaching acceptance. Right. Some chose to actually make the letter with their body. Some chose to spell it out with movement. Right. Draw it out with Mm. movement. So acknowledging all the different responses or answers or ideas based on the one prompt. Right. Teaches us that there there's more than one answer to a to a problem right there's more than one solution to a question mm-hmm. um, mm. so let's celebrate those differences let's accept those differences so again we're we're teaching this abundance of life skills just with this one simple activity oh when, i love it when do you hold auditions um because of covid we actually just did it a few weeks ago um, but generally it's it's every october Okay. So our, our returning students come back in September, we get the school year going, and then uh, we go into the elementary schools with that dance three week program, and then we uh, audition, and then we invite the new students the end of October, beginning of November. That's so cool. Thank you so much for taking us through this. If people want to learn more or follow you, how, how can they do that? Yeah, so the woodenfloor.org has a ton of information about who we are and what we do. Um, we are also on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, all the social medias, the wooden floor at the wooden floor. Awesome. Yeah. Great. Thank you so much. Uh, although you didn't do your name. So I'm a little sad <laughs> that you didn't, you, you I, didn't create your name. I can, I can do my name if you would we'll like. Wait. You I think that's a great way to end this. Yes. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, oh she she's has gonna, room. She's going to take some space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just don't want to break anything. I want to check my surroundings. Okay. <laughs> oh, got some shoulder action. Elbow. Ooh. Oh, we got some foot. Oh. Ah! Wow. <laughs> now I feel like I want to redo mine and make it better. Come back next week and I'm going to have a whole routine. <laughs> Excellent. That was another so life skill, right? So refining, right? Taking 
constructive feedback ah. and refining, right? So to sound like a broken record, another another life skill that we practice in dance that we then take to school and and life and our careers. I love that so much. Oh. If you spelled out your name and you want to put it on video, just hashtag arts for the health of it. Um, and the wooden floor, hashtag both of us. We'd love to see your your name dance. Oh my gosh, make sure you tag Yay. us. This would be a great TikTok video. Yes. yes. You want to show up on our TikTok? TikTok. Wow. <laughs> I'm an old millennial. <laughs> If you want to show up on our TikTok, we can feature you on there as well. Just hashtag uh, the wooden floor and arts for the health of it. There you go. So it turns out dance is the answer. Jennifer, I want to thank you and the wooden floor for coming on today. Uh, we really appreciate it. It was fun. Oh, thank so you fun. so much for dance. having me. I'm going to dance to be a part of it every day a little bit. That's my goal. Yes, yes. I do. I know you do. I need to start. <laughs> I get, this is true. Stanzi will send me random videos of her dancing. <laughs> I literally, I had to work on a budget earlier and I, to pump, like to pump myself up, I did like a little happy dance. And then I was like, oh, now I can do my budget. <laughs> yes. yes. See, so important. Shifting it's, mood states. It's so true. Building motivation. For uh, all your information on this episode, make sure you go to heartsneedart.org, click on the podcast link. And everything will be right there. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will see you next week. Keep creating, everyone. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Arts for the Health of It, a podcast produced by Hearts Need Art, creative support for patients and caregivers, in partnership with the National Organization for Arts and Health. You can help others learn about the healing power of the arts by subscribing, sharing, and reviewing the podcast wherever you listen or watch. The podcast is hosted by Richard Wilmore, co-hosted by Constanza Rader, and produced by Ivan Briones. Our theme song, Songbird, is written and performed by Natalie Lane. Visit heartsneedart.org to learn how you can support our mission to create joy with people facing life-altering health challenges. Join us next week to learn more ways you can create arts for the health of it. The views expressed on this podcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Heart Scene Art, their staff, board members, or other affiliates. All content is created for informational purposes only. This podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice or to diagnose and treat any health condition. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health professional with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition. Never disregard professional medical advice or delay in seeking it because of something you heard on this podcast.